All right, stand together and open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11. There are certain points of life where everything turns on how you approach that thing. And here's one of them. Everything in life turns on how you see the Bible. If you see the Bible as the writing of men, it turns one way. If you see the Bible as a revelation of God to men, it turns another. Some of you students, you're going to go away to college. You're going to go into, into secular places that there are people there who have made a turn. Their turn is they don't see the Bible as God's Word. And they're going to try to influence you. You just have to, as you hear the arguments of the world, you've got to think, is this somebody who sees the world where God has brought his revelation to it or is it somebody who makes up their own rules as they go. The world's in the mess it is today because people are making up their own rules as they go. And we can get out of that if we'll do what God tells us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11. It says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. Listen to this. I have heard your prayer. God hears our prayers. I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now, then he changes. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Father, we thank you for your word. We know it's your revelation to us. It's filled with wisdom. It's filled with direction that if we obey it, our world will be a better place. And, Father, it gives us a revelation of who you are so we can know how to stand before you. Help us to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday morning, we read, starting at verse, we just read verse 14. Uh, now we fill in the picture a little bit. Here we see God speaking to Israel in a time of great success. They have finished building the temple. They finished building the king's house. Uh, if you read the details of it, it's a magnificent, awesome feat. Uh, it took seven years of building to get uh, the, the Lord's house built. It was just an amazing process of everything that happened throughout this time. And yet God is aware that in this moment of success, Moments of success can be tempting. And moments of success, when everything's going well, it's easy to slide. It's easy for things to kind of compromise. And God knew their tendency. He knew who they were. And he says to Solomon, in the middle of this moment of success, listen, if the day comes when I withdraw my blessing." The day comes and the rain doesn't come. 
when the day comes and locusts come to eat your, eat your crops and you see my hand of blessing withheld. He says, if, if, if in those times, in times of, of, uh, like that, if you will turn back to me, if you will turn back to me, I will turn back to you. And he, he, he's saying this to him because he knows what happens many times when we find success or find our own way. Now, what do we need to learn from this? Most of us today are not having trouble with uh, the locusts devouring our crops. But our battle today has a different look to it. And if you don't capture this different look, you'll miss what you need to understand to have victory and to, and to see God's hand in the middle of, of our life. In John chapter 18, Jesus has been turned over to Pilate. So they've, they've cried out to Pilate for him to crucify Jesus. It's a, it's a real revelation in this whole story of how the culture of the day was different than our culture and how the power structure of the day was different than our power structure. Structure. At the end of all this, Pilate's going to say, I don't find any fault in this guy. He's okay. I don't, I, he hasn't done anything worth being killed over. And yet at the end of the day, he's going to say, okay, go kill him. And there's, got, there's not going to be any repercussions for that. He's got the ultimate authority to do what he wants. But at, Pilate enters his headquarters and again and called Jesus to him because they said he claims to be the king of the Jews. And Jesus answers him. He says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, do you say this of your own accord or do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And now we get this great picture that we need to understand about how things work today. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might be, not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. He was telling him, listen, I'm not here to, to set up a kingdom that's going to overthrow you, per se. I'm here to set up a spiritual kingdom that's going to overthrow everything, that's going to change everything. And, and I'm in the process of doing Pilate didn't understand what he was doing. Jesus understood what he was doing. Jesus was winning the right to offer us forgiveness of sin even though we're guilty. To free us from the obligation of our debt by his sacrifice. Later, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul would write, speaking about this very same issue, when he writes and he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. If you're going to have victory, if you're going to win in this day and age, you're, you have to begin to recognize the spiritual battles that are going on. You've got to ask God to begin to show you where there are strongholds and spiritual forces influencing your life 
or where they may be influencing your family, where they may be influencing our culture. And a lot of people want to say, yeah, I, I get that, but do we? Do we really? Do we really get it? Let me ask you a question. We're in a group of people that are Christians, and uh, it's time for prayer requests to be made. What do about 95% of the prayer requests run to? About 95% of prayer requests in, in most groups I'm around, it's about somebody's health issue. Theirs or somebody else. Now, that's not wrong. There's nothing evil about that. We're, we have the right to ask that. What, what's really begun to trouble me in the last year uh, and, and even before to some extent, it's not that that's wrong. It's just where's the other prayer request at? If we understand spiritual warfare and spiritual battle, where are the other prayer requests at? Where's the person who sits and says, listen, I'm really struggling with an anger issue, and I need God to help me. I'm really struggling with a fear issue. I'm, I'm, I've just got this fear. I'm really struggling with a despair issue. I'm really struggling with a lust issue. Where's, where's the rest of our prayer requests at? Where's the prayer request that says, you know, I know I should be a witness, but I just don't do it. I, I, always, I always back down. I, I sense the Spirit of the Lord telling me to witness, and, and, and I know I should. And, and man, I just, I just can't, I'm just too afraid. Where's the prayer request for that at? Where's the prayer request that, that says, you know, I, hey, friends, I, I really just haven't had a sense of the presence of God for a long time. I feel like I'm just kind of walking through this thing alone and I don't feel his sustaining presence. I don't, I don't get it. Where's the prayer request that says, you know, guys, I just want to be, I just want to lay it here out in front of you. I have a really hard time reading the Bible. I just kind of get, my mind wanders all over the place and I just can't seem to keep discipline to set time aside and and do that, and I know it's supposed to give me life. I know it's a living word that's going to teach me things I need to know, but I, I, I just don't, I, there's just always something in the way. The family's in the way, or job's in the way, or I'm just tired, or, you know, there's a ball game on. There's always something. Will you pray with me? Where's the prayer request that says, you know, I, I have a friend, or I have this relatives, and they're just spiritually blind. They're cold-hearted. They're addicted to something in their life. Will everybody just join hands? Will, will you just pray for me and my friend? Where's the prayer request that says, you know, our, our nation, uh, man, there's just so many things going on in our nation right now, and, and we just need God to give us wisdom and direction and for God to come against the spiritual force. Where's that prayer request at? Where's that prayer request that says, you know, I have a Christian friend struggling with a biblical sense of right and wrong. They're just, they're getting confused by the world we live in. And can we just pray for my friend tonight? Where's the prayer request that says, Lord, we need laborers, workers. Do we really understand that we're in a battle that's impacted at the spiritual level? That, that there are things going on that we have to have victory at this level 
if we're ever going to see victory at this level. We wrestle with powers and principalities. Powers and principalities influence us. They influence our thinking. Powers and principalities influence our culture away from the things of God. Powers and principalities appeal to the weaknesses of our individual flesh. And what may be weak for you may be something completely different for me. But they're aware of it. Powers and principalities impact our understanding and our vision for life and what's important in life. And we need to be praying, God, help me to see clearly. They try, the powers and principalities try to fill us with fear and dread. They voice lies about what is right and wrong. Powers and principality raises up inside of us and inside of others a spirit of resistance or a spirit of rebellion or a spirit of sullenness and undisciplined. Young people, I'm telling you, some of you in, in times like that spirit of rebellion, that's not a godly spirit. That's what the enemy's stirring up inside of you. That undiscipline that keeps you from doing the things you should be doing and finding joy in those things. That, that, that's an enemy trying to sidetrack your life. That, that spirit of rebellion, that spirit of sullenness, that's a power and a principality trying to mess with your home and mess with your life and mess with you. Mom and dads need to recognize it. As students, we need to recognize it. We need to see that there's an enemy involved in all of this. It isn't a natural outcome. It's an unnatural outcome. It wants to close our mind to purpose. It wants to, these powers and principalities want to speak doubt into our mind. It wants to bring attack on anything that is religious. The enemy in our culture Here's really important for us. The enemy in our culture does not want to be seen or noticed. He doesn't want, he doesn't want us to know. You go into many cultures of the world today and you run headlong into spiritual forces and people caught up in them. I mean, you just, you just run face to face with them. In America, they kind of keep themselves hidden a bit. They don't want us to know it. They don't want us to see it as readily. But you go to many, many places. We go on some mission trips. You'll run into some spiritual forces. Uh, that, that move, I, I, mean, I could tell you some stories, but I'm not going to tonight. We have to light up the darkness. So here, here's one of the things we want. When something is not as it should be, when something is not what the Bible has promised it to be, like the fruit of ministry or the fruit, mom and dad, of your lives. When something's not bearing the fruit that it should bear, it is a spiritual battle. Now always, the first thing to look at is ourselves. This is why the scripture that we said, that we just read, teaches us. He says, if you want to have victory, if you want to overcome in the spiritual world, if you want to overcome when things aren't going well, what's the first thing he says? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. We talked about this Sunday morning. This isn't about cowering. It's about recognizing God's authority. 
It's about coming back to God and saying to God, okay, I, I, I see this isn't working. I need you in my life. And we humble ourselves and we begin to pray. Hand in hand with that, with that prayer is seeking the face of God. God, how should I be in this? God, what do you want me? For you to have power over the places that you influence, the first thing you have to do is let the one who has power over you be the right one to have influence in you. If you continue to let the enemy have influence in you, you're not going to influence the enemy to let go of anything. When you begin to let God have influence in you, you're going to be able to have power over things. And so you've got to turn to this and look to this. He says, seek my face. Go back to him. And then he says, when it's revealed to you, turn from your wicked way. Whatever it is, turn from it. And then comes this great promise. He will heal the land. Now, friends, I'm telling you, when you get started at the beginning, when you get started, uh, I've been doing this for a long time now. It was, it was 50 years ago this year that, that, that God really began to speak to me as a 12-year-old kid about prayer. And I want to tell you, it's just hard at first. The enemy doesn't want you to pray. He's going to do whatever he can to keep you from praying. He wants your prayer to be weak and pathetic, empty, pointless, all about yourself, selfish. He doesn't want you to learn how to pray. He wants to keep you away from it. So there's some things that hinder prayer. R.A. Torrey wrote about these things. I'm going to share a couple of them with you tonight before we go as we enter into this new year. First one starts in James 4.2. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So here's what, here's what God's telling us here. Here's one of the first, first hindrances of prayer is when you ask for wrong motives. When it's about glorifying you or getting what you want instead of saying, God, we want to find what you want. Wrong motives wreck your prayers. Selfish motives wreck your prayers. The second thing we see in here that you don't get what you want is just because you didn't ask. You're not gonna, if, you know, if you don't ask, if you don't enter into the spiritual realm, the enemy's not going to be moved. Now here's the third thing. Here's the thing that really hinders our prayer. Sin in our lives hinders our prayers. Isaiah 59, 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. He says, listen, God can still answer. He can, his hand hasn't been shortened. He can still save. He, his, ear, you know, his ear hasn't grown dull that he can't hear. He still hears, but your sin has separated from you. The scripture tells us if, if you're living in sin, don't expect to get anything you ask from God. It separates us. So you can go over, and we want to go over to a few scriptures that, that say, you know, if, if I ask, I'm going to receive, and, and we kind of hang on to these kind of things. But there's some qualifications in there. You've got to look at the whole, whole of scripture. So you're pleading for something while you're continuing in your sin. Your sin is silencing your prayer. 
God's not going to move in your behalf. He's made it very clear in his word. Idols in our heart keep us from hearing God. Ezekiel 14.1, Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set, a, and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their eyes. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? An idol is anything we put before God. Anything that we say, doing that is more important than doing what God wants me to do. Doing that thing is more important. Pleasing that thing is more important than God. We don't have little wooden idols that we made and go bow down to. But we have a lot of stuff we can bow our time and our effort down to where we want to fit in. Anything that's before pleasing him. And number five, how you meet others' needs either blesses or hinders your prayers. How you meet others' needs. I want to, I want to really be clear about this. Um, there are people in the world that have a lot of needs. There, there's people in the world that have more needs than I can take care of. But I can do what God's given me the ability to do. That's what I'm responsible for. To let God speak to me and do what I can do. And when I do what I can do, he blesses. Listen to what it says in Luke 6, 8. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. If you're stingy, if you don't give, if you don't bless people, if you don't help others, with the measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. But when you're generous, when you, when you believe the economy of God instead of the economy of the world, when you say, nope, I'm a spiritual person, I believe the economy of God, when he tells me to give, when he urges me to help, and I do it, I'm going to do it joyfully because I believe God gives back to me. When I give to him, I believe he meets my need. When I help meet others' needs, I, I believe that God's going to bless me and he's going to use the same measure back to me and his measuring cup is bigger than mine, so here we go. Your giving could be keeping prayers from being answered. I had a friend, his dad was a pastor for years and years, and uh, his dad had a, he would, people would come in to see him and uh, they would say, we've got this problem with our kid or we're having this problem in our marriage or we're having this problem at work or whatever. You know, pastor, what can I do for you? How can you help me? And he kept, his small church, he kept all their giving records in his desk. And he'd pull out their giving record and slide it across the desk to him and say, is that your tithe? Is that really your tithe? And if they said, well, no, no, pastor, we really haven't, that we haven't really been tithers, he'd say, well, I, I, I can't help you. It's not that I can't give you advice. It's just that my, my advice won't be any good. Because, see, your lack of being obedient is keeping you from having the blessing of God come into your life. Say, so, well, pastor, that's pretty harsh. That's what Luke just said. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back unto you. You want to be blessed? You want good things to happen in your life? He says, bless others. Use that measure to be a blessing to others. All right. So there, there, we start the year with a roaring amen. 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 All right.
Here's the last one. We're going to take commun- receive communion together and go home. This is for married people. How you treat your spouse impacts your prayers. Did you know that? First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. God says, hey, you know, you're not treating your spouse right. You're not treating your wife right. You're not treating your husband right. <laughs> you're shutting my ears. I'm not listening to you. He said, well, they don't treat me right. He didn't ask that. He said, how are you treating them? It's not about what they're doing to you. It's about what you're doing to them. I, either my prayers are going to get answered or they're not. And if I'm doing wrong, there's real problems coming. So here's the deal. Seek God in your life. Let him speak to you. Ask him to show you the, con- the spiritual conflicts that are going on in your life, in your family, and in the world. When you do that, God's going to begin to show you things. And when you begin to do that and you begin to pray against them, and you get your life in, in alignment with it, 2020 is going to become a different type of year for you. You're going to have some power. You're going to have some authority. You're going to see some things change. Because that's the way the kingdom of God works. See, we're talking about his kingdom, how, his, how the rules of God work, how they take place, how God intervenes, how he sets up his rule. And I'm either going to live in that kingdom or I'm going to live in this world's kingdom. This world's kingdom is a mess. God's kingdom is great. And start praying. Start praying. As you see the conflict, start praying. God, show me, teach me, lead me. Let me be what you want me to be. Listen, church, we're only helpless when we're disobedient. We're, over, we're only overwhelmed when his power is not behind us. But when we're obedient and we align ourselves with him, it doesn't matter what the world throws at us. God is greater. What's the word say? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen? So we should walk in great confidence and great faith. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd help us to Look at our life this year and, and ask ourselves, if everybody prayed like me, would the world be different? If everybody was obedient as me, would the world be a different place? Would my prayers, my life be different if I sought you more? Lord, for most of us, that answer would be a big yes. So, Lord, let us ask ourselves, what do we really want? Do we really want to be pleasing to you or do we want to be separated from you? As we go into 2020, Father, help us to go in with a desire and a purpose to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.